Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. And so we're going to continue in our series that we started and about unity called Make Us One. And, you know, last week we talked about how in Joshua chapter 1 that the, the nation of Israel had came to the point of inheritance of the gospel. We talked about how Egypt was kind of a symbol of them coming out of slavery and out of sin and represented salvation. And then the time of testing in the wilderness represented sanctification process that God wants to do in our life to kind of get wrong mentalities and thoughts and kind of get Egypt out of our life. And, and then there comes a place where the children of Israel were at the border getting ready to inherit uh, the, the land of Canaan and the promised land that God had promised Abraham 440 years before, that God had told Moses that he was going to lead them to 40 years before, and they got right to the edge of it. And Moses actually, two and a half tribes of Israel, the, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half tribe of Manasseh had already entered into their promised land because their portion of the inheritance was on the side of the Jordan, but they still had to cross over the Jordan in order for the rest of them to inherit the land. And, and God spoke through Joshua and he told them, you need to get to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. You need to tell them that yes, they've inherited their land, but they're going to have to leave the land that they've inherited and help their brothers and sisters fight and, and enter into the fullness of what God wants for them as well. And then they can return back to the land that, that I have given them and they can enjoy the land that was there. And we talked about how that kind of represents what God does with us in our church. That There's different levels of walk that we have with God. You know, many people are coming to the point of salvation and then once they're saved they go through this period of testing and, and wilderness period and dry times and things where God is teaching them about who he is and what he wants to do in their life and God is bringing purity to their hearts and their lives and eliminating areas of sin and, and then there, there's this place where you come in and you feel like you're kind of walking in the inheritance of what God has designed for you where you have communion with the Father where you're seeing the peace of God in your life and you're experiencing the love of God in your life, but God doesn't bring us to that point for us just to kind of settle in and, and like enjoy the blessing, but God's desire is that when we find the promised land and we find that uh, strength and relationship with God, that we help others to experience the same thing. And if you look at the nation of Israel, nation of Israel was divided into 12 tribes, and two and a half of these tribes had entered into the promised land, but nine and a half still had some work to do. They hadn't entered into the fullness of the promise yet. But when you look at the way that God spoke, even the verse that I read in Isaiah, he refers to them. He didn't name them by tribe. He called them the nation of Israel. And it's the same way with the church today. There's different divisions among the church today, like uh, denominational divisions, like a church of God or a Baptist or a Methodist or, you know, uh, non-denominational, all these different things. And so even though there's different variations, you could call them tribes per se if you wanted to, we still, God sees us as the entire church, the kingdom of God that he is developing. And the same way that God's desire 
was for the Reubenites and people who had begun to understand some things to help lead the others into freedom. It's, it's the same way. Listen, the, the body of Christ, the division among the body of Christ as far as serving and having a difference in worship style and stuff is not the thing that God is opposed to. Like, it is okay that some people uh, worship God off of a screen and with a, a worship team in here, and then some people have a, like a little keyboard and, and sing from a hymnal or something like that. Like, the worship style is not the thing that, different, that, that runs God off, or teaching style even is not a thing that runs God off, because God is a creative God. God created all of us differently. Like, I know me and my wife, for example, we don't think a lot alike about many things at all. Like, uh, we can look at the same thing, and she's like, that's boring, and I'm like, that's perfect. You know what I mean? Like, there's, the, the, the mindset is completely different. She's more creative, out the box. I'm more in the box, you know, structured things. Like, there, there, there's so much differences and stuff that, that, that we have as far as that, and that's not a bad thing. And it's not a bad thing for some people who want to worship God reverential and more reverential and stuff, and some people to worship God, you know, more loudly and boisterous and everything. That is not what offends God. It's when one tribe thinks that they have the only way and then begins to fight against everybody else. It's the division. You see, some people, God even gave different people different gifts because he understood that people would come to salvation in different ways. We're seeing people who are receiving food at a food truck come to salvation, but not everybody is going to get saved at a food truck. We're seeing people get saved at these altars and stuff, but not everybody who's going to get saved is going to get saved in these altars. We're seeing people get saved online in their living room, but not everybody is to go home and have church in their living room and get saved online because God moves in different people's hearts in different ways. And so he empowers his church with different gifts and different personalities and different uh, blessings and things. But it all works together as one body. Our body in particular is more outreach focused and missions focused and things. But, but it doesn't mean that another body who is more just getting deep in apologetics and doctrine is wrong. It just means we're different. And both are necessary because God, there are some people who are more intellectual, and they are not going to get anything out of what I say. I'm going to be boring and dumb and just silly and all this stuff, and, and, and they're going to use words that I can't even pronounce and, and all this stuff, and, and, and they're waiting for me to use those same words, and they don't get it, so they don't get nothing out of this. But there, there are some people that if I got up and I started preaching and using all the theological, hermeneutical, you know, exegetical terms, then they'd be like, what in the world? What language is that dude speaking? And it doesn't mean that either one of the ministries are wrong. It just means they're different. You know, some people get saved through outreach. Some people get saved through apologetic stuff. Some people get saved through hearing firm doctrine taught and things like that. Some people get saved through creative arts and plays and different things. My wife was saved through a song that just happened to be playing in a sanctuary that she found herself sitting in in a dark time. Nobody prayed with her. That song became her salvation prayer. And so because people are different, God equipped the parts of the body in the church 
with different gifts that are there. And in Romans, it talks about these gifts. We're going to be in two passages today, primarily in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bible, you can open that up. I encourage you to take notes as we talk through some of this this morning because I want you to go and I want you to study these things as well. Romans chapter 12, it says, For the grace that was given to me, like Paul even identifies, like, what I'm getting ready to write, this isn't because God, God gave grace to the entire church. This is a thing that God showed me, and, I, and I'm getting ready to speak to you. And he says, I say to everyone that they should not think more highly of themselves than they ought. Don't, don't, don't get a big head about yourself. That, that, like I said, that's the thing that offends God, is when we think we're the only way. Like, our methodology is the only way. You know, some of you today, I look around and I see white cups that are in here with a little styrofoam cup of coffee and everything that's in here, which means that by now, your coffee is cold, right? That's why they're all sitting underneath the chairs right now is because you don't want to drink that cold coffee. However, I look around too, and some of you have found God's gift of the Yeti. That no matter how long-winded Pastor Brandon goes, if I start getting bored and I need a little bit of caffeine and stuff, I can reach over and I'm not getting cold coffee out of styrofoam cup. I am picking up the Yeti and it is still piping hot and I can get my burst of caffeine to get through his sermon. The delivery system is the same, but what you are, the delivery system is different, but what you are drinking is the same. And that's essentially how it is when the body has different gifts. The message is the same. It's the truth of the word of God. It's, we're pointing people to the same Jesus. We're talking about the same heaven. But the delivery system may look a little bit different. It says, but to think so that, uh, We ought to have sound judgment as God allotted to each a measure of the faith for just as we are many parts in one body. I want you to look at how many times he talks about one body, one spirit, one mind. All the body's parts do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ. Individually parts of one another. So even though we are in different rooms right now, Faith Baptist and iHeart Church are part of one body. Even though we are in different rooms right now, Calvary Assembly and Memorial Baptist and, and, and Family Worship Center and, and all these little places, other churches that are around here are all part of the same body. We are just different parts that are functioning a little bit differently this morning. And God's desire is not that we fight against each other, but that we fight with each other. Just like the different tribes of Israel had to fight with each other to inherit the land that God had given them, God's design is that every tribe or church that's individually still functions within the role of the entire body of Christ fighting for the same purpose. He goes on and says, however, even though the gifts are different, we, we, do, we do it different, uh, even though since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to each of us, we use them properly. I want you to kind of underline that phrase because a lot of the reason why people are opposed to the gifts of the Spirit and stuff are an improper use of the gifts of the Spirit. He goes on and he says, if you prophesy, 
Do it in proportion to one's faith. If in service, and an active service, in the acting of service. If you teach, do it in active teaching. The one who exhorts or encourages people, let him do the work of exhortation. The one who gives, let him give with generosity. I want you to notice he's not like, he's not saying you have to do all the things. So many of us, we think that if we don't have one of the gifts that take place on this platform, that, that we don't have a gift. But here he's listing all these other gifts. It says the one who has leadership, let him lead with diligence. The one who shows mercy, let him do it with cheerfulness. Like we need all of the gifts operating in the church today. And it's not just in me. It's not that God called the pastor to operate in every one of these gifts. In fact, we're going to see that he doesn't even give one person all of the gifts. Because it wasn't his design that one person would do all the work. It was his design that even though there's many parts of the body that every one of us understand our place, every one of us understand our purpose, and that we find what our gift, what our talent, what our ability is, and we begin to use it for the kingdom of God. That there are people that you will reach that I'll never be able to reach. There are people that you can pray for that I'll never be able to. There are people that you can relate to that will never be able to relate to anything that I can say. And wouldn't be able to receive anything from me. And whatever gift that you use, just use it to the best of your ability. That's basically what he's saying there. In 1 Corinthians, he starts out the section where he talks about the gifts with this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be unaware. Like, I... I want you to have an understanding about what the spiritual gifts are and why the spiritual gifts are important today. And that's why today I preach this message, even though for many things, it can be a divisive message. There are some people who probably would never come back to this church today because I preach uh, because of what I have to say about the gifts of the Spirit today. But God's design was never that the gifts of the Spirit would divide, but that the gifts of the Spirit would unite the church, empower the church, and bring healing to the church. And so there's a couple things I want to look at before we get in more into 1 Corinthians 12. And, and first, I just want to go back and I want to list what it lists as gifts in Romans because I think many times we don't think of some of these things as being a spiritual gift. So if you got your pad and paper, I want you to write this down. If you don't have a pad and paper, pull out your phone and type this in, whatever. But I want you to write down these different gifts that are there because I don't want you to miss out on what one of the gifts that you may have is there. That's listed there. He lists the gifts of prophecy. He lists the gift of service. Most people are like, wait a minute, the gift of service is a spiritual gift? The fact that I work nursery, that's a spiritual gift? Yes, indeed it is. And all the parents who enjoy the, the, uh, the little bit of time that they have in here to hear the word of God and, and, and be able to be in the presence of God, greatly appreciate all of you who are wearing green or black and green shirts who are back there serving kids. Those who are passing out food, that's a spiritual gift to pass off. It's a spiritual gift to cook. Yes. The gift of teaching, the gift of exhortation or encouragement. Many people don't even realize that that's a spiritual gift. You know, there have, you get, there's some people that when you just get around them, like it doesn't matter how bad of a day you're, you're having, like you get around them and like you feel awesome about yourself afterwards. 
Like, you know, Pastor Travis was one of them guys who, I mean, he, he just made, you, you spend five minutes with Pastor Travis, and you can feel like the worst sinner in the world at the beginning, and then you're like, everything's awesome, man. It's all, it's all great. It's awesome sauce. Wonderful. The gift of giving. The gift of giving is a gift? A spiritual gift? Yes. There are some people that God has given the ability to make wealth, to be able to invest in the kingdom of God. They may not have the time to be able to come and serve. They may not have the, the time to be able to, uh, or ability to get in front of people and speak and everything. But one of the things, we, we went to the hospital last night. We were in the ER with our youngest daughter last night in Charleston. And the, the doctor that came into the room, uh, she came in, she talked to us and stuff. And when she first came in, we all had our masks on. The second time that she came in, I had my mask sitting down. And, and then it was just like, she knew, it's like, I know you guys. I watch y'all every single week. Now, she, she hasn't been in the building that I know of, but because people using their gift of, of, of operating cameras and switchboards and production and everything like that through TV and stuff, the, the message of the gospel is getting out and reaching other communities. And you know how all that TV and stuff came about? Because there's one man in the church who is a businessman who understands that his ability to negotiate can be a good thing for the body of Christ. So he went to all these TV stations and radio stations and stuff, and he began to negotiate deals for us to be able to be on TV and for us to be able to be on the radio, which has gone into the prisons. And many of the prisons aren't watching our videos that we send in. They're listening on the radio or they're watching it on TV. And there's revivals and stuff that are taking place in our prison system today because one man decided to negotiate deals, but then he went above negotiating the deals. He said, you know what, I'm going to pay for it. So every deal that he negotiates, he just ups what he gives toward that particular thing. Now, he doesn't take it out of his hive money to do that. That's his offer. He goes and he's like, okay, just let me know. He literally write a check. Let me know when, it's, when you spend it all, and I'll write you another one. Why? Because he's got the gift of giving. And it's a gift that's beneficial. And look at the hearts and lives and stuff that are, of people that are being touched. And you know that doctor, we're, we're thanking her for, you know, being a good doctor and helping us out and all this stuff. And she's like, no, but thank you so much for all that you do in our community. Thank you for... Your, your message your, that you preach. Thank you for what you've done. But what I've done, she would have never gotten if other people hadn't operated in their gift. Do you see how it all works together? Like the people who are standing back there behind the camera have one of the hardest jobs in the world. They have to try to make me look good. <laughs> and yet they do it every week and people are being touched. Many of us don't even recognize that these gifts, the gift of leadership, the gift of mercy, you know, that, that's one of the gifts. Like, thank God we got Pastor Q and Pastor Denise and some of those people around here because if it was up to me to give the gift of mercy, whoo. Mr. Shoemate told me that on the second day of school, when we started the school, he's like, when you said that about not having the gift of mercy, I, I, I remember the second day of school when I was sick and throwing up and uh, I text you to tell you I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it to school. And he said, you remember what your reply was? I was like, no. He said, you replied, by your stripes, you are healed. Amen. See you at eight. <laughs> That's mercy. Compassion just flowing out. 
But listen, the gift of service, the gift of giving, the gift of mercy, all of these things, he lists right beside the gift of prophecy. He lists it right beside the gift of teaching, which are gifts that many of us see today as being important. But there's some people who don't even think like the gift of prophecy is important. It's listed here that if you have the gift of prophecy, then prophesy according to your faith. But because of one passage that we take out of context, many people don't even believe that prophecy is available today. So I'm gonna show you this real quick, and then I'm gonna show you the surrounding passages. Why? Not to argue a point so that you can agree with me doctrinally, but to show you that the enemy will try to use one little thing to hold you back and keep gifts from flowing in your life any way that he can, whether it's fear, whether it's a misunderstanding of scripture, whatever it is, and how the enemy will try to use these little things to divide the body so that we don't fulfill what God has called us to do. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. It says this, love never fails, but if there's a gift of prophecy, it'll be done away with. If there's a gift of tongues, it will cease. If there's a gift of knowledge, it'll be done away with. For now we, in part, we, uh, we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. And so here, he names several of those gifts of the Spirit that he had just listed in 1 Corinthians 12. He lists the gift of knowledge. He lists the gift of tongues. He lists the gift of prophecy and stuff that, that he talks about earlier in a passage, which we're going to see in just a second. And he tells them that these things are they're, they're going to pass away one day. But there's this phrase that is kind of a debatable phrase. It says, when the perfect comes. Now, for many people, when the perfect comes, that means the canonization of Scripture. And so they believe that when Scripture was interpreted and finalized and canonized and everything, that the perfect had come and then the gifts would then go away. Okay? But it says that phrase at the end, now we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, like, it'll fade away because we know all. Now, I don't know about you, but there's still things I don't understand about in Scripture. When I get into the Word of God, there's a lot of things that, that just don't jump out at me yet, and I don't quite get it, and, and all that, and there's still things that every time I preach or speak or learn, you know, study a Scripture, that something else just unfolds, and I begin to realize it more and more and more. But yet, this has been one of the things that we have divided churches on because this church believes that the gifts of the Spirit are not applicable anymore, that they went out with the canonization of Scripture or with the apostles when they all died out that it went out or, or whatever the, the belief may be, and this, these people still believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And so versus realizing that even though we have a difference of interpretation in that Scripture and how it applies, we, we're still worshiping the same God and everything. We've even divided to the point of where we call each other, we're not, we're not even of like faiths. Like there are basketball leagues that our Christian school cannot play in because we believe in the gifts of the Spirit still being applicable today and they don't. Do you see how divided that is? We can't even play basketball together because we disagree on this scripture. But let's look at context real quick, okay? Let's go back, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to see this because this is very important how many times it says these phrases. He says there's a variety of gifts. So just what he was talking about in Romans. But it's the same spirit. There are a variety of ministries, but the same Lord. There are a variety of effects, but it's the same God who works all things in all persons. 
To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit. But look at this. What was the manifestation of the Spirit? For the common good. So he's saying this, that different ministries will minister out of different gifts that they've been given. That different people will minister out of different gifts that they've been given. But it's all about the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's all about the same Lord, Jesus. And it's all about the same God, God the Father. Just because we look different, just because we minister different, just because even some things we teach a little different, it doesn't mean that we are of separate faiths and separate uh, divisions and, and all of that. And he says that all of these manifestations, say all of these manifestations, are for the good. Every single one of them is for the good. So even though it may not be the same manifestation that we see here, it doesn't mean that it's for the bad. It's for the good. The body needs all of these things. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, for one is given uh, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, the word of knowledge. So he's listing other gifts here. So if you're making a list here, you got word of wisdom. You got word of knowledge. Now listen, a lot of people think that this has to be hooky, spooky, and crazy, but it doesn't. There have been many times in church, I will stop and I'll say, there is somebody here who is struggling with depression right now, who is at a point of suicide, or there's somebody here who is this, and I will have people after, every time I do that, I have somebody come up, that was me, that was me, I heard that, I, that, that you, you stopped right there. What is that? That's a word of wisdom. It's a word, of, it's something that there's no way that I could know inside of myself, except for the Spirit of God show me those things. To one, uh, to another, there's a, a gift of faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by one spirit, to another, the, the effecting of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, distinguishing of spirits. So you've got healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, which just means discernment of spirits. So it means something inside of you, you can't put your finger on it, but you know that's wrong. Like somebody's talking to you, and like they're not giving any tells, but you know they're lying to you. Come on, parents, how many of you had that little discernment every now and then with your kids? So you ate all your dinner. You ate your vegetables. So when I walked to the other room, you didn't just feed it to Fluffy. You tell me. Because he's got green stuff in his teeth that's saying otherwise. To another, various types of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. So various types of tongues means... One, there's, there's a gift of speaking in tongues, which is kind of your prayer language. We'll talk about that here in a little bit, too. That's kind of an in-between you and God. Jude talks about praying in the Spirit, building ourselves up in our faith by praying in the Spirit and that type of thing, so you see that. But then there's even times when people speak another language that they never were taught. You remember in the book of Acts, they stood out, and they began to speak in other languages. It doesn't say, some say other tongues and stuff, but when you look at it, it says that, all the men who were in there, because they were all there for Pentecost, that they begin to hear of the goodness of God in their own language. And are like, aren't these uneducated Galileans? How in the world are they speaking Persian and Median and, you know, all of these different things? And some of you, that may sound like that is a complete foreign thing, and there ain't no way that happens today. But I've, I've, we've experienced it before when we were youth pastors in, uh, in Louisiana, we were youth pastors, and we had a foreign exchange student named Katya. And Katya 
was a, a Russian uh, exchange student, and one night she came up to the altar, and uh, Melody was up there praying with her, and, and I went by and was praying with her and stuff. And, and you know, typically, because of 1 Corinthians 14, which we're not going to really get into, but you guys go study it, it, it talks about not praying in tongues in a big group of people because it can cause confusion and all of those things like that. So typically, if we're praying for somebody at the altar, we don't pray in tongues over them. But that night, Melody was praying in tongues over Katya, who's at the altar. And some of y'all are like, this is really weird. Let me. So she prays over her. When the service is over, Katya calls us over to the side. And she says, uh, listen, when you came up and you were praying over me, you were praying in Russian. Perfect dialect Russian. And she said something about she had gotten a, a letter from her father and, you know, it was a big father wound, a lot of hurt and stuff. And she said, you kept repeating in perfect Russian, you have to forgive him, you have to release him, you have to forgive him, you have to release him. Now, other people can debate whether gifts of the Spirit are a- active in the church world today. But for me, and like that, there's no debate. My wife doesn't know Russian. <laughs> She's learning a little bit of Hebrew can understand a little bit of French, but doesn't, doesn't know Russian. How could she do that? See, that's why we need the Spirit of God, because he enables us to do things that we can't do in ourselves. That's exactly why the enemy doesn't want us to want gifts of the Spirit. He wants us to be panicked out by him. He wants us to be weirded out by him. He wants us to run away from the things. But he goes on, he says, but they, they are one and the same spirit. And he works all things and he distributes it to each individual as he wills. So in other words, not everybody is going to have every single spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gives it to us. Okay? But again, Paul lists all of these things. And he says, all of these gifts are available today for the good of the church. Now, I just want you to ask just this question. If if God gave the gifts to the early church for the good of the church, why would he take them from us today and not allow us to have them? Why would he want the same going to all the world, preach the gospel? Nobody who believes that the gifts of the Spirit have stopped believe that the Great Commission has stopped. They believe we're still supposed to go preach. They still believe that we're supposed to go do these things. Even... If you're honest, they still believe what James says, that if anybody is sick in the church, let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and pray over them because, and, and they will be healed. Y'all know? So how is it that the gift of healing is stopped, but we're still going through a ritualistic thing of anointing somebody with oil if we don't believe that anything's going to happen? If you ask them about the gifts of the Spirit and stuff, Paul listed serving, giving, mercy. They want your money. They got to pay their bills. They want you serving because somebody's got to keep the kids. Somebody's got to help with the outreach and stuff. They can't do it all on their own. They're good with those gifts. They want your leadership. They want you to help lead teams within the church and everything. Why is it now that we're picking which gifts that are applicable today and which gifts are not? 
I mean, you take the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is listed many, many times. In fact, in, in, in the uh, first message that Peter gets out and preaches that he's quoting from the Old Testament, he says that your sons and daughters will prophesy in the last days. So what, did the gift of prophecy go away and now all of a sudden he's bringing it back in the last days? Or have we just misunderstood what he was saying and the perfect hasn't come yet? And so the gift of prophecy is still there which means that the gift of healing is still there, the gift of wisdom is still there, the gift of knowledge is still there, the gift of discernment is still there. We don't want to do ministry without the Holy Spirit. There was somebody who came to me and they were wanting to go to this ministry training thing and they were asking if I'd ever heard of it and stuff. And I was like, no, I, I never heard of it. And so I went and I looked up the videos and I kind of read their website and was watching it. And I noticed in their doctrinal statement that they believed in the cessation of the, the gifts of the Spirit, that they stopped with the apostles. And I said, you really need to ask about that. Because especially if you're going to go to the mission field, you don't want to be on the mission field without the Holy Spirit. Because you will encounter some stuff that you need. You need every gift that the Spirit of God has to be able to, to fight these things. And they even asked them, so why do you say that? And this is why they said, well, we know that so many people have misused them that we just, it's better for us to just say, don't use them at all. So we teach people to go do ministry under their own power. Versus realizing, go read what, all the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do in John 14 through 16. He leads us and guides us of all, in, in all truth. He, he uh, is a comforter. He, he uh, is a protector. Like, I mean, there, there's so many different things that he lists. He will always testify me. He will point people to me. Over and over again. Pull up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27. It says, now you are part of Christ's body, your individual parts of it. God appointed to the church, apostles and prophets and teachers and miracles and healings and helps and administrations and various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers in miracle, are they? All do not have healings, do they? All do not speak in tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? And then look at this. But yet, even though everybody doesn't do this, and even though there's going to be differences in things like that, earnestly desire the greater gifts, and yet I'm going to show you a far better way. And then he goes into 13. 13, he says, if I speak in the tongues of man and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries, he's listening. He's already lifted tongues. He's listed uh, gift of prophecy, mysteries, knowledge, faith. He's listing the gifts of the Spirit here, okay? He's saying, if I have all of these things, faith to remove mountains, but yet I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give my possessions to charity, here's the gift of giving. I surrender my body uh, so that I may uh, glory, but I have not love. It is no good to me. So first he says the gifts of the Spirit are for the common good. Now he's saying, if I use the gift, but I'm not using it in love, it's no good. Paul 
then goes on and defines what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not arrogant. It's not boastful. It doesn't keep records of wrong. It hopes all, endures all, bears all. You remember that whole passage that you always read at weddings and everything? He's talking about that being the glue and the filter through which all gifts are supposed to be used. He said, the better way that I'm going to show you is not throw the gifts out because people misuse them. It's teach them to use them in love. And then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 14, which, by the way, is after 1 Corinthians 13. Y'all, y'all follow? Why are you saying that, Pastor? That's... Because if he was saying prophecies were going to end, then why does he go into 1 Corinthians 14? Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Especially that you may prophesy. For the one who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God, and no one understands it. And in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. But the one who prophesies speaks to the people for edification, for exhortation, and for consolation. So to build them up, to encourage them, and to bring peace to them. This, this is what it's accomplished when somebody prophesies in love on behalf of God in the right way. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church or builds the church up, or strengthens the church. Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Paul, why are you saying this? You just said tongues were getting ready to end. Why does it matter if we all speak in tongues? Again, context. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I'm not even going to get into the rest of 14, but he starts talking about if somebody speaks in tongues in church, let it be interpreted, and there's only a certain amount that can be interpreted, and all this stuff, it's better for me to speak five words in English and 10,000 words in tongues, like all this stuff. Like he goes in to a whole big old dissertation and teaching about how to use the gifts. What is their proper function of, of the gifts? Again, if it was all ending, why am I wasting my time doing all this? If I'm sitting here, hey guys, listen, we are no longer going to have church on Sunday mornings. Church is now officially canceled on Sunday mornings. We're not doing it anymore. Am I going to go, but when we come to church, this is what we're going to do. I want you to come, and I want you to be ready to worship, and then we're going to pray. When we come to church, I want you to really be eager to be at church every day and really press in. But church is not, you're not going to do that. And Paul wasn't doing that either. What he was trying to say is, listen, the gifts of the Spirit are for the good of the church. They're important. They build the church up. They bring consolation to the church. They bring edification to the church. They bring exhortation to the church. It equips, it empowers, it makes the church able to do things that they could never do in and of their own strength. It makes the church have wisdom that they could never have any other way. But make sure you do it with love. Because if you don't, you're going to cause damage. And so what has happened is because people have used gifts for themselves. People have used gifts for their pride. People have used gifts 
honestly, to be abusive sometimes, to demand people to do things. Your gift of serving, you're supposed to serve because, you know, and try to make people feel horrible if they're not serving. Or try to make people feel horrible if they're not giving. Or try to make people, like, so they, they beat people with the word. And God never called us to do that. Paul constantly talks about, use these gifts in love. Speak the truth in love. Like, let love be the highest goal. I mean, this is, is constant, the theme throughout the thing. In Romans chapter 15, keys and worship team can come on up. It says this. It says, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and one mouth, you will glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, after Paul talks about all the gifts of the Spirit, and we're probably going to look at Romans 14 in the next couple weeks in this series at some point, be a good, good thing to go read. Because he even talks about in Romans chapter 14 about not looking at people who have different beliefs on things and judging them and being critical of the things that they do but accept them the way that they are. Understanding that their difference in belief is not a difference of faith. It's just a difference in belief. But the ultimate goal of the gifts of the Spirit are for the unification of the church. It's for the building up of the church. That's why I'll say, listen, don't, don't take my word for it. Just go study the Scripture. And I challenge you, just go study the Scripture, not in light of something that was just driven into your head to try to defend and prove your point but go to it with an openness and humility of saying God I need you to speak to me show me this because there are a lot of things like I grew up in a crazy charismatic church like we're going to run the pews we're going to take a lap we hallelujah to the lamb take a nap in the altar like all kinds of things I mean just and I don't mean that disrespectful it just kind of lightens the mood a little bit it's a heavy moment But there were a lot of things that if you ask me who is one of the men I respect the most in my life, I would say my grandpa. I mean, like, that guy, he was awesome. He loved everybody. I pray, God, help me have the love that my grandpa did. Help me, help me see people. It didn't matter. Like, he, he would, kids loved him. I just his funeral was full of people from Hardee's and from Walker Machinery and from Pretties and from all these people. When you, in, you encounter Clinton Thompson, like you just, you encountered the love of Jesus. But yet there are things that I heard him preach growing up that I couldn't preach. And that's not to dishonor him. I have the utmost respect for him. Strive to hit that level of love that he had and joy that he had. But yet when I study the scripture, God's like, no, it's not there. You gotta, you gotta move your position a little bit on that, son. 
See, here's the thing. When we all go with the spirit of desiring unity and a spirit of desiring to be the church that God's called us to be, you know what he'll do? He'll start moving you in, out of your camp a little bit, more toward that center thing. It's not all law or grace, it's law and grace. It's not all like these things that we divide ourselves over and stuff. Like you realize that God's goal is that even though we may look different, even though we may be gifted differently, that we're one body, one spirit, one church, serving one Lord, one Savior, one God. And Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit that if we will sit in front of his word with an open heart, that he'll bring us to the place of truth. And then we'll be united, not because of anything that we changed somebody else's opinion, but because we allowed the Holy Spirit to change our heart. That's why we need the gifts of the Spirit. That's why we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. It's because he's the form of God who is here on earth that was sent here to bring unity, to bring power, to bring peace, to purify the bride of Jesus. Can we take him out of the box of religion and denominations and things that we've always been taught? And versus us trying to define who he is and what he can do, let him define who he is and what he's able to do. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. We love you and have a great day.